to the Uproom Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit uproomfrisco.com. Awesome, man. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 24. Luke 24. It's been a whirlwind. Uh, who was able to make our end of the year conference? A uh, handful of you. We had an amazing time. It was a beautiful time, but from going through the holidays to the New Year conference to battling through some sickness and stuff, and then finally doing some travel, we're finally here. And I got my wife here watching here on FaceTime. Hey, honey, how you doing? Um, good, good. All right, Luke 24. I love the start of new years. I love the start of new months, new weeks, and new days. And it's the same principle. You know, his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies are new every year. So if you bombed it last year, thank God there's new mercies every year. And if you had an awesome year, thank God we give that to Jesus and we press on for more of God. I, I really feel Luke 24 at the beginning of this year, uh, it's the road to Emmaus. Can we put up there about verse 13? And I just want to jump into this story. And I, I, this is an amazing story because this is after the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, these two specific disciples, they had just received word. It's the, the day of the resurrection, and the women had come to the disciples and given word that Jesus was raised from the dead. They didn't see his body in the grave. They encountered the angels, and they come to the disciples, and they tell them what had happened, and none of them got it. None of them got it. And you got these two specific disciples. We know one of their names, but... They must have been kind of second-tier disciples, kind of down the line a little bit. Um, <laughs> whatever, you know. Uh, second-tier. We don't know a lot about these guys, but what, what I love about this is this is such a beautiful picture. The thing that blows me away about Jesus' resurrection, this is not really connected to the message, but that Jesus doesn't just first come to the 12. He's going to show up to the women, and they're going to be a message to them, and they don't get it. And then he shows to a couple of second-tier disciples that are going to be used as a witness, and they still don't get it after them too. Just the ways of Jesus and how he will draw you into Revelation. It says, now, behold, two of them. So you got two of them who heard this message, and now they're walking to a town called Emmaus. Everybody say Emmaus. Okay, this is about seven miles from Jerusalem, all right, well, however long that walk would be. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So you got these two guys walking, all right? And so it, while it was, while they conversed and reasoned, okay, they're sitting there and they're trying to make sense of what had happened. And before I get right into this, right, right before I get into this, this, what I'm feeling even as I'm speaking to you today, and I really feel like God wants to reorient us in 2022, is what happens when things don't go the way you thought it was going to go? When you didn't think, I, I really feel like the last two years have really blown up a lot of ideas of the way we thought these first two years of this decade would look. A lot of our lives, a lot of our situations, our nation, the church, so many things have not gone the way that we thought it was going to look. And in many ways, they're walking through blown up paradigms of what they thought this whole thing was going to look like all around Jesus. And I really believe that Jesus wants to show up to us in this season and reorient us. Okay? So I'll just give you the punchline now, and now we'll tease it out. 
So it was that while they conversed in reason, have you ever been walking in the mall with one guy and another guy start walking with you? That'd be weird. That Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So you're hanging with your bro, y'all just talking down the mall, and then a third guy starts walking. Hey, what's up, dude? Um, and they start walking. But their eyes were restrained. Keep this up here. So they, they did not know him. All right, I, you got to ask yourself, this is Jesus post-resurrection, so he's either showing up in a Clark Kent outfit, and he's not looking like, he's not in his resurrected glory. He's not just, but out me as I am. Or he was in his glory, and they were unable to see him for who he is. It's one or two things. Either he had his Clark Kent outfit on, or they were unable to see him in who he really is. So Jesus starts walking with them. Look at this. Verse 17, and it says this, that, um, next verse. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Okay, I want you to see this. Sadness is touching them. Despair, disappointment, wondering what came of this. Verse 18, and this is my one joke of the message. Then the one whose name was Cleopas, I think that's one reason he's sad. His name's Cleopas. <laughs> Anybody's name in here is Cleopas, I bless you. <laughs> I've just got to have a couple of, you know, whatever. I think it's one reason he's sad. He goes, you know, I just can't get over this. My mom named me this. <laughs> okay, okay. The one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, he's bold. Oh, Cleopas is bold. He goes, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things which happened there in these days? Now, I got to ask Jesus about this next verse. Go to the next verse. Jesus said, what things? That gives you insight into Jesus' personality right there. It, he's got, a, he loves to mess with us. He knows what things. It's about him. Jesus will mess with you and he'll bait you going, what? I, I don't know what's going on. He does, though. <laughs> Guys, I love the Bible. It's fascinating. If that don't give you insight into Jesus and how he loves to play with his friends and how he'll pull you out, what things? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth, prophet mighty indeed, word before God and all the people, verse 20, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death. And Verse 21, look at this next one. This is the thing I'm hitting. But we were hoping, everybody say we were hoping. Okay, that was what all of our hope was in, that Jesus was going to deliver us from Roman oppression, destroy all of our enemies, and establish his kingdom in Jerusalem, and we would be his number one ruling class. That's what all of our hope was in, is that we were going to be awesome, and Jesus would flex. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things has happened, verse 22. And all the women came, verse 23. They astonished us. They said they saw, they didn't see his body. They saw a vision of angels, verse 24. Verse 25, here we go. And he said to them, so they're walking and they're sharing. We don't get it. We were hoping it's all blown up. It's not looking like what we thought it was going to look like. And Jesus, this third guy, just turns into rebuke mode. And he goes, oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe, now look at this, in all that the prophets have spoken. Keep going. 
He says, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Verse 26. And beginning at Moses, he's going to start in the book of Genesis, walk them through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and then he's going to start walking through all the prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Zechariah, all the prophets, he starts expounding to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, this is fascinating. Jesus is going to take them on a Bible study through the Old Testament showing how Messiah must first come and suffer first before he enters into his glory, giving that paradigm of suffering unto glory, suffering unto glory, suffering unto glory, probably walking them through every story walking them through Joseph going through demotion before glory, Moses' demotion before glory, seeing the Christ and his suffering all the way through. Now look at verse 28. And then they drew near to the village where they were going. And I love this about Jesus. And you need to understand this. At the beginning of 2022, this is the nature of revelation. Jesus will always give you a measure. Lock in with me. He'll always give you a measure, and he'll say, does that satisfy you? Are you okay with getting a nice word on Sunday only? Are you okay with having a nice worship experience on Sunday only? Are you happy with the revelation you've received? Is that enough to tide you over for the next, next six days and 23 hours of your week? Is that enough for you? Jesus will always give you a measure, and he'll say, see you. See you, I blow kisses, I'll see you next Sunday. But he's really looking for this. When he indicates, he would have gone further. They get to it, and he goes, goodbye, verse 29. I love this. They constrained him. That's not passive. What is constrain? You ever watch, remember the old cops movie and how they would constrain cops or how cops would constrain those people? There is a spiritual violence. I want to talk to you, receiving the word of God freely, but when the spirit of revelation hits you, when words jump off the page and a facet of Jesus touches your spirit, it then requires hunger to move from just an initial encounter into something deeper and more profound and long-lasting. We need a constraining spirit upon us in 2022. Because they would have only had a nice quiet time if Jesus would have kept walking. But they constrained him. Friends, it's an hour for spiritual violence. It's an hour to move around things and to make, when God touches you, that's when you burn, that's when you just remove everything. When the Lord speaks to you, my wife already in, in 2022, she's had a couple of pretty profound dreams. One of them is that the Lord's preaching to her in a message, talking to her about the book of Amos and saying, you're called to bring the Ark of the Covenant back. And a wild dream. When the Lord gives a dream, those are invitations. When the Lord releases a word to you, it's an invitation. Don't check it off and just put it in your journal going, mm, thank you, God, for that nugget. First off, I hate the word Nugget. <laughs> We need to obliterate that from the English language. That with moist. There's <laughs> a couple of other those words we just need to remove from the English language. But um, <laughs> I 
But I, we've been talking about it, saying, honey, there's an assignment for you for the next six months, book of Amos. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which over joy over the treasure. He went and sold all that he had, and he bought the field. And when God will whisper attitude to you, there's, that's more of an invitation than fulfillment. And God's saying, if you're hungry, that too will move into an all-consuming tin in your life. They constrained him and they go, you aren't going anywhere. Abide with us. It's towards evening and the day is far spent. Look at this. And he went in to stay with them. When it goes from an outward revelation into an inward revelation, when he comes in, when he comes in to abide with you, verse 30, here we go. It came to pass as he sat at the table. It was the table, a table he was at earlier that week when he sat around the table with the 12 and he broke the bread, he took bread, he blessed it and he broke it. He's doing the last supper with these two. And as soon as he breaks the bread, the revelation of the broken body of Messiah strikes them. Look at this. He gave it to them. When he gave the bread to Judas, Satan entered him. But when he gives it to these two disciples, veils fall off of them. Verse 31, then their eyes were opened. Friend, that's what you want right there. So many of us are walking around with Jesus and our eyes are still closed. We're not discovering the glory and the beauty and the, and the majesty of what is available to us and there are increasing realms of revelation. Their eyes were open. Number two, they knew him. And as soon as they know him, he vanishes from their sight. Has anybody had anyone vanish in front of you? No, no, think about it. I'm not talking about old hippie days. Have you ever had anybody vanish in front of you? <laughs> that was my second joke. All right. If me and you were sitting there, God blesses, breaks bread, hands me the bread, and I know him, and then he vanishes, do you know what I'd do? I'd look at you and go, did you see the guy vanish? That'd be the first thing out of my mouth. <laughs> this is stunning. Verse 32. They don't say that. They go back to what they were feeling on the road earlier in the day. They go, did not our heart burn within us? while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us. A burning heart is what Jesus left them with. A burning heart is what he left them with. A burning heart in the Bible. A burning heart in the Bible. We're going to find out later. These two are going to run back to Jerusalem. He's going to get into the house with those disciples. They're going to preach to him. And they still don't get it. So Jesus goes, you guys are so stubborn. He just shows up, steps right through the wall, goes, guys, I'm sick of this. I'm not a ghost. Feel me. Touch me. Put your hands in my, put your hands in my holes, hands in my side. Give me some food. I'm not a ghost. And then it says, that, go ahead and go to about Luke 24, 44. Hallelujah. Luke 24, 44. Hopefully it's not 43. Go back to 43. Now that was when he ate the bread, 44. He said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms concerning me. Verse 45 is the verse I'm after. And he opened their understanding 
that they might comprehend the scriptures. The ability of Jesus to take weak, distracted, confused, despairing people and release a realm of understanding and comprehension upon simple minds to understand what the Bible says. Jesus loves to take ADDD people who are confused and who are needing to check their text and their Instagram and their TikTok every 10 seconds, and he loves to show up and take weak, broken people like us and blow your mind with the spirit of revelation. He loves to give the spirit of revelation. He longs to give the spirit of revelation. Jesus is streaming through the Old Testament. I was blown away in Genesis 2 right after the fall. They're already trying to cover themselves, aren't they? They go try to book some fig leaves around them, and what does God do? We see the first sacrifice in the Bible. God kills an animal and clothes them in the clothes of the animal, which speaking of a death unto covering that's going to come. The gospel's already being preached in Genesis 2. In Genesis 3, we know there's going to come a seed through the woman that's going to crush the head of the serpent. We get the first, it's called the Proto-Evangelium, which is the first gospel in the garden. And the story of the seed that's going to come forth to reverse the curse, to cover his people, to release mercy in the place of judgment is thrown all the way through the Old Testament. I'll tell you what I believe God wants to do. We're all like a little hungover after the events of 2020 and 2021. Many of us are coming out of it, but there's been a fog on the church. There's been a despairing spirit, a hopeless spirit, confusion. There's been witchcraft on the mind of the church saying, I don't understand. It's like we, we, we just had a binger and we're waking up going, what in the world's been going on? And we need a place to reorient in 2022, a place to re-anchor our souls and our paradigms. Fox News has owned more real estate in our interior life than the Word of God has in 2020 and 2021. Facebook comments and barbershop talk and friendship and all the, the language and conversations have owned more real estate in our interior life than the word of God has. God wants to deliver you from the secular narrative and bring you into the biblical narrative. And it's not for theologians or people with 25 degrees that can only understand it. He loves to take simple people who can barely read and blow your mind with the discovery of his story beginning in Genesis all the way to Revelation. He wants to break off hopelessness, despair, anxiety, fear, and he wants to set you free with a holy confidence because we know the end of the story that gives us confidence in the day to come out of the counsel of the ungodly, to come out of the path of sinners, to come out of the seat of the scornful, and to get confidence in knowing where this thing is going. That's it, that's Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk, stand, or sit. Friends, this is an hour. Let's go ahead and shut some things off in our life. Let's delete some apps. Let's distance ourselves from people. I'm serious. You're like, well, I've been my best friend forever. Well, they, 
Maybe they're just going in a different direction right now. Turn them into hanging out every day into a once-a-month coffee. I'm serious. We got to get about getting intentional. I want to talk to you. The most prophetic thing that I can tell you is I want to call Upper Room Frisco into Bible studies and into reading the Bible. I want to call you into a love affair of the Word of God. Jesus reorients hopeless people not by a fire tunnel. I love fire tunnels. I love impartation services. But Jesus goes, no, nope. I do Bible studies and set hearts on fire. I set hearts on fire. I set minds on fire. I give clarity to people that brings rest in the soul. See, we want the McDonald's drive through impartation service. He goes, no, I want you to know it's really awesome and it happens through time, but I want you to watch the miracle of how I can take a cold, dull, bound heart and set it free as you get to dance and make decisions every day. Many days you're not going to feel awesome. Many days it will be boring, but I'm going to deliver you from boredom by encountering a man on the other side of the pages. I got one amen right here. I, I, I gave you a list. Were you able to get that list down? Awesome. Let's throw this list up here. I want to give every one of you a vision beginning tomorrow. All right? Give you, beginning tomorrow. All right. I th when I, no, let, let's make it a little bit cooler than that. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. The first thing that I want to give you is, who wants a burning heart in the Bible? No, no. They felt it. Did not our heart burn? Do you know that's your inheritance? Is to have your heart inflamed when you read the word of God? I know some of you go, I don't believe you. It's okay. God is going, God is going to release a new narrative to the church by bringing us into the word of God. Do you know what, what's happened? If you're, if there's, we're in such a biblical illiteracy in this generation. You know what happens when there's biblical illiteracy? You start getting bound in conspiracy theories. Theories. You start getting bound in side conversations. Who's the real originator of the, of the infection or of the, 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 the COVID? Who's this? And we spend all of our time on websites and, we're, and the whole time, the Holy Spirit's inviting us into a burning heart, saying, I want to set you free with my word. Yeah, that, that's a little cooler. The first time is you got to get a vision for this. It's not like he's talking over here and only this select few of really deep and sensitive ones can get into the inner chambers of the Bible. It's by getting the word of God and going on the journey of reading it. And I think when I think about reading and going on a journey with the Bible, the first thing that I want to say to you, and I have it later in the list, but I want to make it number one. What I love about Luke 24, it was two people walking together. And there's, I want to give you a vision. Find that other person in your life to say, let's go after the burning heart together. Find a friend. Do it with a spouse. 
Do it with somebody that you can meet with regularly and say, we're going to go on the journey of the burning heart together. You kick my butt when I get off, and I'll kick yours when you get off. You sing my song back to me when I forget it, and I'll sing yours back to you when you forget it. I, when I think about a vision of the Bible, I think of two realities, width and depth. I love, get a vision for 10 chapters a day. Get a vision to, why do I love width? Because I love the story. Do you know Genesis to Revelation is a story? Huh? The Bible doesn't begin in Matthew. The Bible doesn't begin in, in, in Ephesians. The Bible begins in Genesis with God's great plan for redemption. I love to read large sections, but I always have an ace card up my sleeve saying, Holy Spirit, would you breathe on a verse? Would you breathe on a phrase? Would you breathe on something that provokes a question? What does that mean? So I'm after two realities, width and depth. I'm reading a story waiting for Holy Spirit to go, stop, stop, put your Bible down. Now, let's talk about the days of Noah. Let's talk about what Noah means. His name means comfort and how God's going to cause this man to preach for 120 years by not saying something, but by doing something. I'm here to tell you guys, this is a reason there's coming a great falling away. People don't know their Bibles. People don't have history in the Bible. I care about this. I want to see full charismatics fall madly in love with the Bible. And I want to see full evangelicals get baptized in Holy Ghost and fire. And I want a marriage of the word and the spirit. We don't have to choose your kidneys over your liver. You get to have both. The Holy Spirit's favorite chariot to ride in is the word of God. And you're like, well, it's boring. Could you ever think God's not the one on trial? but your heart is just not used to such light up in your business? Width and depth, reading large sections, but reading small verses. And when he breathes, put it down. Number three, he does this. Specific time and place. Find a specific time and place every day to meet with God. For me, it's early in the morning because my brain is slow. I really mean this. I pray better when my brain is slow and I read the Bible slower. I'm real big. So a specific time and place that no amount of opportunity nor no amount of, of people can get to you. I like to wake up at 6 because I'm not getting that many texts at 6. I simply do it because of that because I know as soon as I'm needed, I'll feel important and I'll leave the place of the Bible. I understand me. You've got to fight for this. There's got to be a constraining in your life. So you find a specific time and place. Some of you are like, I can't do morning. I've got to do it after the kids are to bed, and I've got that time. Some of you are like, I'm middle of the day at work on my lunch break. I don't care. Just find it and don't miss it for anything. You find, and this is what I love about God. He'll show up in your 15-minute window closet. He'll show up in your 20-minute closet. Just build him a closet. Just show up to it. God's wanting to blow your mind, but our lives and our schedules are all over the map. He can't meet us. 
And then he's so kind. Finally, I got you to church. I love you. He goes, good, good. Now build a life for that. We can walk in this. Okay, okay. And then, and he's so kind. He's pursuing us. But he says, there is more. There is more. There is more to your prayer life than you just repenting for what you did last night. There's more to your prayer life and you reading the word than you just thanking him again for the 10 billion time he's forgiven you of that. And I'll thank him again for the 10 billion time, but there is more. This is what I love to do to help my distracted mind read slow and out loud over and over again. If you can read, you can do this. Read out loud. Many of you were told as kids, shut up. I don't want to hear your voice. Nobody wants you around. And this is going to bring up a lot of inner healing issues because you're not used to hearing yourself talk. But I want to encourage you. This is how Abba teaches you to pray, is that you pray Bible back to Jesus. How do you teach your kids how to talk? How do you teach your kids how to talk? By talking to them. Huh? Book. 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 It's called prayer. He's given us the Bible. He gives us words to tell him. He's teaching us how to talk his language. He's teaching us how to talk to him using his words. And that's where we're learning how to talk. And there's so many nuances to a book. There's different kinds of books. But the nuances will come later as you learn how to say book. Most of us are like, well, I ain't deep. None of us are. I'm not going to live in the boat saying, well, I'll never get there. And it's hard. And I did it when I was 10. We're going to keep going and going and going and going until. Read slow and out loud over and over again. It usually takes me about the third time of reading a verse before the fog starts lifting and I actually start seeing it. And when it lifts, this is something else that helps me with distraction, praying in the spirit. Many of us don't connect Bible reading with praying in the Spirit. When I talk about praying in the Spirit, I'm talking about praying in your prayer language. You don't have your prayer language, we can pray for you later. But there's a way of engaging with the Holy Spirit while you read the Bible. I've got this going on, I've got that going on, and I've got this going on, and I'm engaging with God. So I'll read a verse over and over again, I'll pause, and then I lightly pray in the Spirit. Are y'all with me? We're not just going to go through another year and hold on. There are giants that are ready to be taken. Joshua 1.8. Joshua, you're going to take the giants. You're going to take promised land. What do I do? Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate in it day and night. Meditate in the Bible day and night. Why? Because the word of God makes God bigger than the circumstances. I'm tired of worshiping circumstances. I'm tired of going from one thing to saying it's so big. That's why Rafi hit it so hard this morning. God is great. God is great. That's what we got washed in this morning. 
My God, you're great. Your throne's above. Every principality and power and ruler and dominion, you are greater. You measure heavens with the span of your hand, waters in the palm of your hand. You are awesome, God. That's what the word of God does. It makes God bigger. He is bigger, but not to you. And when the spirit of revelation touches you, God gets bigger. Praying in the spirit magnifies God. That's what they were doing on the road to, on, on the day of Pentecost. They were magnifying God, praying in the spirit. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, you're making God bigger. Number four, questions are going to begin to come out of you. Here are the powerful questions. What, why, where, when, and how? What does that mean? That's my favorite prayer in the world. What does that mean? Why did you say that here? Jesus, why did you say what things on the road to Emmaus? Who are you, Jesus? The word of God. Tell me about the nature of words. Why do I speak a word? Why do I speak a word to you? Communication. Communicate what? C -c Communicate my heart. C Communicate my emotions, my will, my plan, my desires. There are so many inarticulable realities that are communicated in words. And they're a bridge to you, but they're also an invitation to you into me. This book, it's not even the Bible, it's a notebook, but this book, the Bible, let's say it is, is God's stepladder to us saying, come, I want to invite you into my heart. And I'm okay with the boring, boredom. I'm okay with the awkwardness of it being weird for a second as you're learning how to say book, book, book. I'm okay with it. I'm not yelling at my two-year-old when they don't say it. Say it right. <laughs> you don't know what kind of book it is? Why don't you know what kind of book it is? He's a glad father that the kid's engaging with him. And we're learning how to engage with him. Guys, he wants to pull you out of your shame. He wants to pull you out of your guilt. He wants to pull you out of your anxiety. He wants to pull you out of Whatever you've been defined by in the past seasons, he wants to pull you out and release a new narrative and a new identity to you. And what I love about God, he's made us all different and he moves with us in different ways. Some of you are going to meet him in, anyway. You're going to meet him in the workforce. Questions. Ask questions. Questions are the doorway into revelation. Do you ask questions when reading the Bible? Do you turn it into prayer? That's prayer. Ezekiel, can these bones live? Lord, you know. Why are you asking me? Because questions engage you with my heart. Questions engage you. Fasting. Fasting quiets your interior traffic so that the word of God goes from a whisper to a roar. Fasting gets your soul out of the way so your spirit can receive the word of God. In fasting, the I love yous of God go from a tapping hammer to a sledgehammer. You didn't earn that sledgehammer. You just got you out of the way to receive the 
I love you. And you feel it different. You feel it deeper, not because you did anything to earn it. He said, hey, I want to do my part. I'll skip a couple of meals to get my soul out of the way, to let the cry of my spirit receive the I love you from God. All fasting does is make you vulnerable to truth. It just makes you vulnerable because you're not as strong. So much of us are used to living in the strength of our personalities, our giftings, our all of our stuff, and fasting has you limping, which makes you feel the most disqualified, and so God can whisper thunders over you. Doing it with others. Road to Emmaus, they were talking together. Find a brother, find a sister, find a group. And number seven, don't quit. Shame will try to talk you out of it. You will screw up tonight, and then you'll wake up tomorrow. I don't feel like looking at God. Nothing in me wants to be here. I yelled at my kids 10 times. I did something, said something, watched something, heard something. I don't feel like being with you. And he goes, it's okay. Look at me. Look at me. Don't quit. Don't quit. If we don't quit, we win. If we don't quit, we win. If you don't quit, you keep showing up. And with your simple, weak heart reaching to God, your days will turn into weeks, into months, into years. And you're going to begin to find a life source on the inside of you. It's not as moved by what you're hearing around you because you're becoming a tree, a Psalm 1 tree that's broken through the surface and you're planted by rivers of water and your leaf won't wither and you will bring forth fruit in every season. Which means this, you're not moved by stock trends or by Fox News or by what they say about the economy or the future of the nation. You're receiving source and direction and the narrative through the word of God, not by news channels. This is what makes us, this is what separates us from the narrative of the world. Don't quit. Don't quit. Some of you are going to get excited because fruitfulness will start happening in you. And then people want you to buzz around doing it for them and talking to them. Stay connected to that place of prayer. The devil will use prosperity, poverty, shame, guilt, anxiety. Don't quit. And don't negate 10-minute windows. Don't negate drives to Walmart. Don't negate drives to work. Turn off the channels. Turn off the sports news, the Fox, the, 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 the political news, and just say, here I am again. Learn how to look at him and whisper Bible verses to him. <sighs> Hallelujah. I'm thinking of two things in these last couple of minutes. Hallelujah. We're going to do this. We're going to do this because you're going to move from a burning heart. You're going to get set on fire. God's going to use you. I'm thinking of two verses as I move into 2022. It's really my favorite. It's really my favorite verse at the start of a new year. Can you put Philippians 3.8 up here? Philippians 3.8 up here. Hallelujah. I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss. All things count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Verse 9. I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness. Verse 10, 
He says this, I want to know him, power of his resurrection, fellowship of his sufferings, conform to his death. Verse 11, here it is. Verse 12 is the one. I have not already attained. Paul says, I'm not there, guys. I'm not already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. I was wrong. It's verse 13. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended. I'm not there yet. But one thing I do. Here is your statement at the beginning of 2022. I forget the things that are behind. We need New York Jesus to show up to us. Forget about it. Forget about it. Forget those things which are behind. Reach forward to those things which are ahead. Are you going to live in spiritual timeout for the first six months because of how stupid you were in 2021? Who says you get to determine, determine the, the nature of your relationship on whether you should be in a quiet time? Who says you get to do that? Why are you being so prideful and arrogant to say what you've done is stronger than what he says? Who are you to dictate the, the terms of relationship when his blood is spoken on your behalf? When his declaration over you has said, it is finished, my blood is enough, I am your righteousness. Can we quit worshiping you and how worthy you think you are to engage with me? It's not little, it's offensive to the cross. It's offensive because you get to term, determine the terms of relationship. Forget the things that are behind. I don't care how bad it was, how much you lost, how much you lost in your own soul. We come freshly before the blood of Jesus. We receive his cleansing. We receive it. We receive, forget, we push, delete, and we reach forward to those things which are ahead. You forget your failures and you forget your successes. Hallelujah. And then I want to put Psalm 90, verse 12 up here, and then I'll pray for you. I'm thinking of two realities, Philippians 3, and then I'm thinking of Psalm 90. Friends, we need a revelation of eternity, and I just want to say it. I believe that 20, the 20s are an important decade for us. I believe this is an important decade, and I don't believe it's a time to be flirting with the same old pet demons you've had for the last 10 years. I, I, it's not an hour to be flirting with the same mess-ups. We need the fear of the Lord about us. Time is of the essence. Time is precious. Time is your most valuable commodity. Time's worth more than money. Time's worth more than money. You have 168 hours every week after working, playing, watching everything you want to watch in golf. You still have around 30 hours left in your week to grow in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord isn't being afraid of God. It's, it's, it's honoring the fear of the Lord are the banks of the river that guard intimacy with God. I'm not afraid of God. I'm grateful, so deeply grateful for time and what he has given me. I want to guard it jealously because I care so much about his love flowing freely. 
Every marriage has fear in it. Love has fear in it. The true nature of love and fear go hand in hand. They're not at odds with one another. I'm deeply in love with my wife, therefore I don't go to strip clubs. I have a fear over the tainting of intimacy. I have a fear that guards me from the flow of intimacy between me and my wife. Therefore, I stay far away from things. I live disconnected from things because of the value of what I have. The fear of the Lord protects the love of God. There is no love. Most of us want a Hollywood love with no banks on the river. No requirements, no guarding. When you commit yourself to one person, we are in covenant with God. And the fear of the Lord says, God, the time you've given me, I don't want to waste it. I don't want to live frivolous with the time. Most of us just want the blast from heaven to change our life. And I, you'll get a couple of those in a lifetime, but most of it's the slow, mundane grind of weak choices by weak people where God breathes his breath upon it and you're changed through time. I love it. You don't know when it happened or how it happened, but you wake up in six months and there's a fire burning. Where'd that come from? I don't know when, how, or where, but he's there. I don't know when I went from hating the Bible to loving it, but I'm starting to like it. Amen, let's stand.